Yo, yo, uh, take me back to my reversion. Unite the clans, I give thanks to each person. It's that same holy water that we immerse in. It's that same tradition that we all each verse in. United we stand and divided they win. They ignited in their plans and divided they sin. If you think about it, it's the assault for the same lands. Their biggest fear is that we all remain friends. I got love for T Marsh and y'all podcast. I got love for Michael Matt fans. Ryan Grant, Rick, Barrett T. Flanders, and Eric Sammons. Shout out to my boy. John Everton, avoid Babylon. I got love for Anthony and Rob Speak on. If you try, you're persecuted the same for the weak heart. Our rules go way back before the Genesis, the Greek arc, sweetheart. Yeah, this is Mass of the Ages. Shout out to Bishop Athanasius, Father Dave Nix, Red Pill, we out the Matrix. Haters. Ah. Greetings, parish orphans and retrogrades. <laughs> what the hell is going on, bro? <laughs> Tim Gordon. Bro, we've been waiting to catch up for about a year and a half, two years now. I mean, we've been speaking online, DMs, texting, and we finally got to figure this thing out. We've been trying to figure out, like, the right show to get you on. Like, I didn't really think trivia was the right intro to get you on, you know? Like, I, I actually thought the best show would have been just – talking about growing up in the 90s because you and I grew up the same time period like and just some of the things you've said about how like your mom was really the one who was in charge of religion in your home growing up and your father kind of took a back role I I resonated with that so much it was almost identical in my house where my mom was the holy roller and my my dad just kind of like let her take the lead and it really like so I have eight siblings and four of them don't go to mass and the other four do so you really do get that 50-50 run when you have the woman taking the lead in it and the husband, you know, takes a backseat to it. Yeah, man. I mean, it's everyone. It, ubiquity is the watchword. When it comes to the 90s, the 80s, the 70s, even the early 2000s, it was mothers that were dragging their sons kicking and screaming to church. And I think it's good. I, I just want to say I think it's admirable that you agreed to fast for that whole year and a half you're waiting to get me on the show you're looking really good for it you're looking fit. that's good man you got to be hungry get it have a sandwich uh, yeah it's like uh but it really is true that like when the when the father takes a back seat it really does affect the children drastically you know and it just it it just just seeing it in my own like my father took election day like it was a pontifical high mass like that's <laughs> the most liturgical thing the man can do and it's like bro get back to mass what are you doing like he's sitting here he's like all the kids gotta go vote all the kids gotta go vote. it's like that this is not even that important it's like, that's how it was in my household too i mean not that there's anything wrong with it <laughs> you sound like a seinfeld episode but there's nothing wrong with taking election cycles seriously but Comparative analysis always condemns one who doesn't take mass that seriously and takes the election cycle seriously. So I ain't trying to go uh, electric complex or Oedipal complex on this, but I, I, I have to I have to agree with you that none of my friends from Dallas Jesuit, none of my friends from St. Mark's, none of my friends from St. Francis, any of the Catholic schools I ever went to, none of my friends from Loyola Marymount, Few of my friends from the Greg, from University of San Diego, none of them are practicing Catholics now. And that, that's a real problem. And people have heard us talk about this for a long time. And I think we're like almost the exact same age, Anthony. Yeah, we're a year apart to almost to the day. I'm March 16th, 82. You're 81, right? 
Oh yeah, yeah. So you're a little newer than I am. You're a newer, yeah, brother. a little fresher. Yeah. My, my co-host, he has like 31 or something. 32. What are you, Rob? 30. Can be 34 and Gen Z. This kid. I keep I, around. I, I keep around because he's good at like all the tech shit. You know, it's like <laughs> he knows how to put shorts together and stuff. But um. It's funny you mentioned Seinfeld because Seinfeld has a lot to do with the boat we're in right now. Like that that episode where they were t- where George goes and gets the massage from the male therapist, the male massage therapist, and it moves. It moved. It moved. It and moved. He comes Jerry. out. That's, and the, whole, that's the test. <laughs> the whole episode is. I think it moved. I think I'm getting. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. And that's really like the 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 turning point in culture when it started to go from like. It used to be acceptable to talk down on this lifestyle. And then out of nowhere, it was like, well, whoa, 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 not that there's anything. We don't want to judge anybody. We don't want to judge anybody. And fast forward, what was that, 96, 97? I mean, you fast forward 23 years, and all of a sudden, you can't even misgender somebody that's a man wearing girls' clothes. I mean, I remember when it went from, okay, making gay jokes to, like, suddenly you were ostracized if you, you know, let one slip. Like, it, yeah. it happened overnight, it feels like. Well, it depends on if it's a small room, if it's a large room. If you let one slip, people are going <laughs> to ostracize you for <laughs> smell alone. But, I mean, look, like Seinfeld, I think that was season three, the uh, the No Homo episode. And that would put it at one, two, three, ninety four. 94, 95 is that inflection point where you, you could see everyone's half-half on whether or not the gay is okay. Remember, you have, I don't know if you've ever heard the book uh, After the Ball, but After the Ball is all about how the gays, the gay lords in the, the 90s needed to make homo just another thing. So they said, look, set our sights on reasonable goals. We don't have to make this the platonic form of uh, the good life because people are going to know it's not. It's disgusting. But if we just make it another thing, part of American life, part of the cultural landscape, then we can we can slip it in more. No pun intended. We can slip it in a little bit more. No pun yes, intended again. It. These puns are intended, but well, no. it's, shift, it's shifting the Overton window. Yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they took over. They took over the language of the civil rights movement, right? So they went and they started acting like an immutable characteristic, like race was equivalent with the behavior you have in your bedroom. I mean, it's so absurd. It's like something... So it's, they've, been, they've been trying to find the gene for it ever since. But if they ever found the gene for it, and then you could detect it in the womb, you watch how quick they come out against abortion. Right? Yeah, I just want to point out, with regard to the Civil Rights Movement, 1964 Civil Rights Act, immutability of traits as the watchword of egalitarianism that's also against the faith. Egalitarianism is a sham uh, yep. because an immutable trait, I, I'll go to bat. I don't, I'm not Matt Walsh, but I'll go to bat for sex. There's no such thing as gender. And your sex is certainly an immutable trait, whether you're male or female. And men and women aren't the same. And I think we'll talk some about all the interrelationality of all the intersectionality in this episode. But immutability isn't a, a valid criterion that any Catholic should incorporate, should first accept and embrace and incorporate into his uh, lay of the land, into the, you know, his architectonic of the world, his categorical architectonic of the way that 
shit is supposed to line up for us. Yeah. That's just not how it's supposed to be because egalitarianism is false. So even in a mutable trait like men and women, that should not be a valid inflection point on which something like the civil rights movement should turn. Wow. Yeah, you see, this is why I wanted you on this episode, because I knew I was going to miss a whole bunch of stuff. So why don't we kick off with the first clip I sent you, Rob, because okay. we're going to basically just play a clip. And I'm fi I figured that would be like a starting point for a conversation where we think Matt dropped the ball, maybe where Matt did great. I think Matt did overall. Matt did a good job. I mean, listen, you go, into the, Joe you go into the Joe Rogan podcast. He wasn't expecting to talk about this. He was trying to keep it. So I saw Taylor popped out a tweet the other day saying, why won't Christians just embrace the Bible and, and use the Bible as a place to go? It's like, because you're talking to somebody who thinks the Bible is nonsense. So you yeah. don't want to use the Bible as an authority when somebody who's actually made a comment in the, in the conversation that, that what is just a bunch of words written a couple thousand years ago. I mean, he mocked the Bible in the conversation. So no, you do want to use natural law to base your conversation on. And I think Matt did a really good job considering the position he was in. And when you're on the spot like that, it's hard to have things pop in your head and not, and not come off sounding like a lunatic, coming off sounding like a bigot. I mean, you know how they, they twist things that you say. So I think he did do a good job. It's, it's fun to sound like a bigot, though. Especially if you have plausible deniability later. I'll, I'll say that much. Anthony's laptop almost got covered in beer. <laughs> Let me. Can I just make one one comment, guys? Yeah, Rob, Anthony. Yeah, I find that when we're commenting on commentary, second, third derivative commentary, it's really difficult to navigate between the Scylla and Charybdis, which is to say, you don't want to be some purity spiraling trad uh, tra that says. You know, whatever, whatever you're saying, Taylor said, I, I don't know, but you don't want to be like, oh, well, that wasn't perfect. It's like, dude, you have to consider his audience, right? Mm -hmm, so don't, mm -hmm. don't, don't run into the Scylla. On the other hand, don't run into Charybdis where I, I heard a lot of trads taking the, the polar opposite view where they're like, no, this was amazing. I, you said it, Anthony, right now, he could, should and could have given a, a perfect natural law explanation. I know Matt Walsh, that's not his thing. I mean, it's also a, a reasonable critique I have of what is a woman. I was going to call it I am a woman, but I think it's what, <laughs> what is a woman. Hear me roar, right? What is a woman? Stick to the strongest, most muscular iteration of the natural law uh, ontology, which props that up. And that, that means that in a, in a way that's not highly curated, where you're not just trying to take the middle position, you're actually taking a middle position between consider the source but go as hard, go as Roman as you can, no homo, um, at, at a natural, a crack at a natural law construction of a natural law universe. And so Matt did, yeah, I agree. He did pretty good. He did well in the rest of the interview. The The gay marriage part was really, really bad. But that, that's why I'm kind of a centrist on things like talking to a more political figure than a Catholic figure who is also Catholic, where it's like, well, you can always go strong on natural law. He didn't do a bad job. This was the worst topic, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely dropped the ball in a bunch of stuff. I think the biggest play, I mean, I guess we'll get into it once we play the clips, because I, I have some very, like, severe critiques of the things he did. But then I, I think by the end of it, Joe actually, in the questions he was asking and the statements he was making, proved Matt's point. 
So it's like by the end of it, you see Joe making it like marriage is just a piece of paper. And Joe's like, aren't you kind of proving my point? I mean, you're you're basically making it like because we have allowed all these things in marriage is now just what? Just two people just deciding they want to have a relationship. It's not even permanent. It's temporary. Now, I have a sister who is pregnant with a guy and she actually thinks marriage is a piece of paper. And it's because how it's for, I mean, look, we got to really get back to where Catholics drop the ball with allowing annulments and allowing all that stuff, because that's basically Catholic divorce at this point. But let's go. Let's jump into Matt Walsh. Let's see where he where we started off. I, I got clip one lined up. Gen Z handle that. He's my tech guy. Well, um, oh, come on, I, Rob. You got Tim. I'm Gordon making as big as I can board. here. <laughs> Tech is the worst, by the way. Oh, I'm terrible at it. That's uh, let's see. Such a drag. Anthony's siblings and cousins think of the interview. <laughs> All right, let's go. Okay, if if you can't hear this, let me know. And go along with it. I hear they it. and they hear us talking about it, and, and uh, they see that it's not something that they can countenance. Where does this go, Matt? Like, where where does this where does this go? Yeah, I, I, who would have ever thought we'd be here? Yeah. So where does this go? It's it's hard because, like I said, it's almost it's it seems as though we we've already seen the crazy manifestation of this. So I do think that we move on to you know this this destruction of reality will continue, and it will get into other forms of identity, and so transnationalism, even trans species, and all that. Um. So I, I think that that will happen. Um, and what I'm worried about is for the for you know, my kids' generation, Gen Z, fast forward 20 or 30 years, what does it look like for them? What does that generation look like? So I only, put, I only picked like a minute because what I thought right off the bat what he missed was pedophilia because they are going for that, right? Like, they, So they were talking about the trans movement and Joe says, where do we go from here? Right off the bat, I'm thinking, okay, well, you see them trying to justify by calling it male-attracted per uh, uh, minor, minor persons right off the bat. It's like and, – and civilizational collapse is where it goes. Absolutely. But look, once, once we no longer are adequating ratio to intellectus with regard to the purpose of – a human being, we're in civilizational collapse. I, I mean, I'm not trying to be predictable here, but gender dysphoria, as uh, DSM-5 still, I think, refers to it, or, or referred to it until at least two years ago, is a mental disorder that stems from a, a dysphoria, an identity dysphoria, right? A man thinks he's a woman or a woman thinks she's a, a, a man. This is essentially what you have beginning with with first wave feminism right where a, a woman is dissatisfied with the feminine and strives functionally ergonomically to be a man and um you see it creep i mean it's a distinction of kind and a distinction of degree simultaneously so this cross-fertilized the 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 homo movement of the 1990s where hey if a woman can act like a man and if uh, the, the, the traits of the sexes are fungible, then all we have to do is really 
act like a, a woman act like a man in the bedroom, all of a sudden you have lesbianism or a man act like a woman in the bedroom and you have uh, male homosexuality. And then, of course, you know, once you're saying, OK, a, a woman can in any appreciable way without contravening over some sort of uh, ontological line of uh, appropriateness, act like a woman or a woman act like a man, they can do so in the bedroom. It's only natural that they say, well, why can't I be a man? Why can't I actually just cross this dotted line of ontology and just, you know, chop off my privates and, and become a woman? If I'm a dude. So it all the gender dysphoria begins with first wave feminism and conservatism just never fought that one hard. And 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 so so we lost there. My biggest critique of Matt is he spent the whole beginning of the episode with Joe speaking about trans issues. Right. Then when Joe brings up the gay marriage thing, Matt fails to show Joe how the LGBT puts those letters together for a reason because they are all connected. Like the, the, the T belongs with the L, B and G. And you see that there's a segment of, of the, the lesbian gay people that are saying they don't want that, but you cannot separate them. And it really does start at feminism because as soon as you have women trying to act like men, it really is a logical conclusion that that's where you're going to go. Did you see Milo on uh, Tim Pool last night or two nights ago? Yes, I did. I did. I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I haven't talked to Milo for a few months and I, I, we need to chat again, but he did a really, really, really impressive job on Tim pool, breaking stuff down. He sounded more eloquent than he's ever sounded. And I mean that non-ironically. I mean, he, what he said, the way he formulated, uh, the whole phantasmagoria of female and male, in the he did a great job. I mean, he even he went awesome. he went back into women's suffrage. I mean, he went into, he just said, "Look, this was men dropping the ball, basically saying they don't want to take responsibility." It was it was Adam and Eve happening all over again. It was Adam letting Eve do what you know. Adam dropping the ball right in the garden is what we are dealing with now, and I think this is a major problem, especially at the Daily Wire. Because at the Daily Wire, I, I, I mean, look, I think they do a lot of good work, but they're caught up in this conservative movement where they want to make it like, I mean, dude, look at Carrie Lake in Arizona. We're all going, oh, Carrie Lake, Carrie Lake. Right. Carrie Lake belongs at home with her children. Right, right. <laughs> when even Milo, it's 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 funny, even Milo, you know, was stumped for uh, uh, MTG. And, yeah. and he was he was interning for MTG. He, he addressed that in a semi-satisfactory way. But the point is, you're at, Anthony, you're absolutely right. When conservatives look at it this way, I, I, I do want to go back and, and say Matt Walsh did an admirable, admirable job for a, a non-philosopher who's Catholic, but, but not deeply uh, steeped in the Catholic intellectual tradition who was asked a question off the cup that he was not expecting. So I, I want to yeah. give him credit. And yeah, that's what his, that's, his failure is not in, in courage, but you're, you're locating something, Anthony, um, at, at, uh, at the daily wire. I don't, in, I don't include Knowles in this, but when you're playing the demographics game and you're like, there are like 52% of America's females, we don't 
you know, we were being utilitarian. You're taking a look at the consequences. And you're saying, I don't want to risk alienating 52% of the females. If, if that's what it takes to risk alienating 52% of a possible conservative supermajority constituency or whatever, I'm, you know, this is what it would take to actually go back and show the roots of the tumor. You know, if we're going to dig deep into gender dysphoria, you know, that which took 10 to, you know, from 1848 to about the middle 1950s, that was all the nesting time for feminism wave one took 10 to the power of two years for it to, for that tumor to grow, slow growth. And then you have second wave, third wave. And then alongside third wave in the middle nineties, you have the beginning of the homo movement. And that took till about, I, I counted at prop eight in California in 2006. So call it 96 to 06. That's 10 to the power of one. That's a, depending on how you look at it, either an exponential growth increase or a logarithmic nesting time increase. 10 to the power of two for the OG gender dysphoria to take root. And then homosexuality took 10 to the power of one. These are orders of magnitude. And then look what happened, my friends, with uh, 2014, 2015. Matt was placing it a little late. He was placing it at 16, 17. 2014, 2015, you had a one-year turnaround time with the Bruce Jenner debacle. And all of a sudden, America was talking about trans this. There's no mention of transvestite anymore. I still watch 90s TV shows. I watch Frasier and Seinfeld all the time. Transvestite comes up all the time as a joke. That term went away bye-bye forever. And all of a sudden, people are only talking about transgenderism. And that's 10 to the power of zero uh, uh, years of nesting time for that. So you see what happened? The hard work was all done. About 100 years of nesting time for original transgender, then, then 10 years, and then one year, 10 to the power of zero. So that shows Malachi Martin's quickening is a real thing, and the left knows how to use it. So Mac Mac even says the stuff with older girls go gone wild. Like, yeah, this is the church is participating in all of this, right? The church. I mean, some of the some of the things that um, like that you've even brought up about how John Paul II kind of like adding to. I, I mean, he just got caught up. I mean, they they went through the sexual revolution in the sixties, and it was like there was so much pressure on the church to jump on board with it, and it was like. So I, I think John Paul was just trying to find like a, a, a way to navigate it that still sounded orthodox. But I mean, even he just let 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 it he just let it infiltrate the church. I mean, it was just it, we stood our ground so long. And it's it just I think I think a big part of the problem is media, right? Like technology and media comes along. Where you never had this problem of every word the Pope says is brought out to the entire world immediately. I mean, and it's getting more and more exponential as time goes on, where now we have Twitter where you find something out immediately as soon as it happens. But it, it just never was that much pressure able to be put on the church when it when it when it happened in the sixties like that. Or seventies actually when John Paul came became Pope. Yeah, I agree, particularly with regard to Francis. The, the the problem of being able to know what the Pope said instantaneously, it really affects there. The pro- So the problem with, se- with recreational sex, which is related to um, the sex revolution, but is not wholly constitutive of it, is the following. 
Matt, I just want to address the, the Daily Wire thing. When What is a Woman or I Am a Woman came out, I was really excited. I thought it might be the most healthy development that, that society could possibly elect, which would be addressing feminism. And then it's like, now it's transgenderism. It's like, that's rearranging the deck chairs on pick your, pick your famous sunken shit. I thought he was literally going to go, what's a woman? He, struck, he, he really bravely, Matt Walsh, struggled to articulate this. And I've only spoken to Matt by text like a couple of times. So I don't know Matt from Adam. I, I want to say that offhand. Um, he, he struggled to say a, a woman is a generically procreation-capable XX. And that's all he had to say. A woman is a generically procreation-capable XX, double X. Yeah, the, the whole summation of the whole whole documentary was a, a human female, an adult human female. That was all he had to say about what is a woman, an adult human female. And it's it was very lackluster. Yeah, because see, I, see, I haven't has seen the whole thing, but I've had friends that I respect that I that I take take uh, who's who's fiat is dictum. As uh, you know, good movie. I've, I've had friends that I respect say the opposite, but I think it's effective the way he described it, Joe. Sorry, I know you want to get to the next segment, but um, um maybe I'll table what I was going to say there. I think I know. I can. I'll bet you I can guess what your second or third segment will be. But I he, he explained, hey, I wanted to let these idiots monologue, and that probably was rhetorically as effective as he appraised it was, but. Uh, so I, I want to get to why saying a woman is a generically procreation capable XX and a man is a generically procreation capable XY is not sufficient. It's precisely because when we talk about the quiddity or the formal cause of marriage, he came up short because he didn't realize the full implications of these biological facts. He was throwing back in the face of gender theory. I, so I, I want to make a comment, but I think I, I think know he also I don't think he was I, I don't think like you said, he wasn't being a coward. I think he would have said anything. I don't think he was mentally prepared for the argument. Right. So Agreed. I think Matt, it, it had nothing to do with Matt dropped the ball because he was afraid to say the truth. It had to do with Matt actually has not researched these topics well enough to actually yeah. have given a coherent answer in the moment like that. Rob, yeah. are you typing? Something's clicking in my ear. It's driving me nuts. No, we're trying to figure out what it is. <laughs> I, I've been All muted right. a lot, and so it's not let's, me. Let's play the clip. I just, I've got a mouthful. Thought I thought that's what you guys wanted me to do over here. No, 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 right Tim. This is no, no. Dude. I was lying. I was lying, dude. I want <laughs> you to talk as I want you to talk as much as you can, bro. We're not. We haven't waiting a long time to get you on, so no. Uh, I, was right, just, throw next, I was just. Yeah, never mind. Failed, Joe. Throw that, throw that next clip on, uh, Rob. Specifically about the marriage one. Well, do you believe that I knew your marriage <laughs> is marriage fundamentally a procreative male and female union or or not? You know, there's there's not really much of a of a compromise position there. There's not a compromise in gay men that want to be married. They're in love and they want to formalize their bond so they could see their partner if there's a medical emergency or if there's a, a death where you uh you know assign assets to your loved ones well that's not a compromise on w the, the fundamental definition of marriage because that that's that's the question that lies underneath all this well marriage is, is a, a legal union between people who love each other right isn't that what it is it, for for what 
purpose? Like, why, why do we need a union? Why? Because they want it to be solidified. What? They want it to be carved in stone. They want to say, this is not just a person that I love. This is my life partner. Right. But why, why as a society, why do we need to solidify or uh, make official a union between people who love each other? Like, if, you, if you're with someone, you love them, then... So he says, the reason I picked that is because Joe says a, a marriage is a union between two people who love each other and they want to make that union formal. Like that's, that's this. I mean, I, I applaud Matt for saying, no, 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 we have to get our definition straight. Like what is a marriage, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the first line that he said, I told my wife this, we were listening to it earlier today. The first line out of the box is best, where he says, look, this is not merely a, con- uh, you know, fusis versus nomos, nature versus convention. Marriage is not merely a convention, but he didn't have the tools to fully uh, expound on what that meant, to explicate what that meant. So all you have to do, it's so easy. This could, I, I tweeted this earlier after I watched it in, in preparation for interviewing with you guys. All you have to do is take your your strong ontological claim that you're making the the strong biological ontological claim that you made that you know a lot about after you just made a documentary, you know a lot about something after you make a movie or a book and you're saying a woman is a generically procreation capable XX. A man is a generically procreation capable XY. I'll explain why generically rather than specifically is really important in a second. Joe Rogan tripped him up um, on the generic specific point. And what is marriage? That should be his next movie. Uh, marriage is the natural and conventional. It means it's both thusis and nomos together, Christian nomos. Uh, unity constituting the formal act, the formal act of their procreative capabilities. So literally, you have a syllogi- a tight syllogism, um, propositionally val- almost propositionally valid, when you're saying, what, how does the catechism define marriage? You don't have to tell Joe this, that you're quoting the catechism. But what you should do is use the, the quiddities and the definitions from the catechism to begin making your argument, even if you're caught off guard. So when, you know, you're trying to be polite and you say uh, coitus between man and wife is the marital act, it means it is the formal act which constitutes the heart of a union. But, I mean, the reason people can actually get annulments is because... If you have, if you went into a marriage planning, intending not to perform the marital act at least once in a way that's got the three fonts, procreative, unitive, marital, then you're not even married formally. So, and that, so that's wait, all, all right, so real quick, in the green room, Rob and I were discussing this and I said, I, I think if a marriage is not consummated, you can get an annulment based on that. But I think what you're saying is the accurate way to say it, where if you never intended you have to, to consummate it, the intention to not consummate is what will constitute a, a, a legitimate annulment, right? Rob, now you have the catechism. Yep. So um, what, what uh, Tim's saying about the definition of marriage in the catechism, I have the Roman catechism here. And uh, it starts off actually about the names for marriage itself. And it starts with talking about the word matrimony. It says the word matrimony is derived from the fact that the principal object which a female should propose to herself in marriage is to become a mother. 
or from the fact that to a mother it belongs to conceive, bring forth, and train her offspring. Yeah, like that's the actual catechism. So you're saying he should have, I mean, look, you can't expect Matt to have the catechism on hand like that, right? Like, so you even you said you, you did a little prep even before coming into having this conversation. I don't think Matt had any idea he was going to be put on the spot like that to talk about gay marriage. But I mean, as a Catholic, we really should have these tools at our disposable at, at our disposal and ready to make a defense for what we believe at any moment, right? So, I mean, I think part of the reason we wanted to do this show was because even I'm not 100% prepared to make these arguments. I knew Tim was the guy to bring on, right? It's like... The important thing is, and I, I didn't, uh, in all fairness, I didn't check anything. I was just um, kind of kind of thinking about it, piecing it together with a little more time. But, you know, we're, we, we don't need to critique, you know, we shoulda, coulda, woulda with regard to Matt Walsh anyway. But here's the, the, the reason that he got tripped up, even though he had, he was not failing in courage. He was, he basically got out of his mouth that, that marriage, that a woman, is a procreatively capable XX human being. And then Joe said, uh, uh, Joe's like, what about a sterile woman? What about a woman that's had a hysterectomy? What about a woman that was born uh, reproductively deficient in one way or another? And, and Matt froze up. And, and there, then, so it follows the next step of the syllogism would be what kind of marriage could such a woman enter into? Would it not be a marriage? And Matt, not for a failure of courage, but he didn't want to say the bold thing because he didn't have his powder dry. That it, it stands to reason. that. Oh, so what you have to understand, the main trick of sophists is they do the species to genus shift. It's a species to genus two-step. The so-called post-liberals now who want essentially crypto-socialist Catholics, guys like... Uh, <laughs> I think, in my opinion, I think uh, a lot of the post-liberals, I won't mention any, uh, you know who they are. <laughs> you the want to thing. drop a name, drop a name. <laughs> well, so I said crypto-socialist. I think that's what you have <laughs> happening with that post, post-liberal post movement. People know who I'm talking about. They have <laughs> conventions like twice a month. I, I'm wondering, I'm wondering sincerely how you get like two conventions or conferences funded Twice a month, who is paying for all that? Look at look at post liberal slash integralist conferences. There's like there's like twenty a year. That's expensive, and I'm wondering where the fundulation comes from. I have no clue. I don't have any extra information, but I do have a great moral imagination, and, and I'm wondering. And here's what they do to the proposition of subsidiarity. This is a strict analogy. Are you ready? This is this the species to genus two step. Subsidiarity, according to Pope Pius the Eleventh, is um, is the proposition that it is a grave evil, a grave meaning a categorical evil, mortal sin, to forever to engage in the encroachment of a larger order government on a smaller, more local order government in an, in an area of competency for the smaller government. You guys probably know this. A lot of people don't know that the popes and the catechism call it a grave evil, meaning you could never do it. Right. The question is, uh, what what the the way that the post liberals who I think want you know massive socialist type government will say is they'll say well okay look at the fifty American states uh, most of whom outlawed at the level of state law uh, contraception porn abortion sodomy gay marriage and then the nationalists on the bench 
in the middle 60s started undoing this and making it illegal for states to illegalize. So what they'll say is the post-liberals will say, well, if one state specifically, when you're dealing with the species, fails to outlaw some evil that ought to be outlawed according to the dictas of good government, well, then that proves that it's not a competency. And that's not the question. The question is a generic one, meaning define it by, by the species. So it's the precise opposite standard of review. If a single state, if a single state competently outlaws porn, contraception, sodomy, gay marriage, abortion, as most of the states did, uh, then that proves that the states, all of them, at the level of the genus, state government versus national government, are in fact competent of making such a, a police power outlawing or banning, even if several of them choose not to. But so the post-liberals will just point at the ones that didn't, and they'll make the definition based on species specifically, that's what that term means, based on the species, instead of generically based on genera or genuses. And that's precisely what Joe was doing to him. He's like, look, man, if a woman is a uh, uh, a procreation capable XX, then you're saying Jamie Lee Curtis or, or whatever. I, I think she she's with sterile. Yeah, he, he mentioned like uh, whatever, one of those actresses that got married 10 times or something, right? Yeah. Or I was thinking Jamie Lee, I, thought, I, mean, I don't want to get sued in a defamation suit. I thought Jamie Lee <laughs> Curtis was famously like hermaphroditic. Oh, um, oh, that's what you meant. I thought you meant the Joe comment about women marrying multiple times. Okay, yeah, yeah, I got it. No, it's like all of them. Well, yeah, it, it, that, that would sort of count too. But for our purposes, you'd say, no, no, no. Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, assuming for the sake of a hypothetical here that, that she was sterile. I don't think she ever had kids uh, biologically with Christopher Guest. I thought it was because she was like a legal hermaphrodite. Um, but assuming that I'm correct about that, maybe I'm not. <laughs> that's like, that she, that's like the Richard Gear rumor back in the 90s, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I've been told by Californians who unfortunately knew better was ab was true, but I've been told it was alleged. Yeah, it is. It is like the uh, the gerbil who could get into I, first. I have to ask um, Rob. Rob, you're I, young. Do you did you ever hear the Richard Gear gerbil rumor? No, never. See, this is an age thing. <laughs> it is. Age, you knew, you knew right gerbil, away what I was getting at. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, but the point is, just, just put the cap on. You define oh, no. these things generically. So, a woman who is sterile is generically uh, procreative capable. Why? Because she's an XX. She's not specifically procreation capable XX, but she's generic according to her genus, woman, qual woman. It sounds like a tautology, an error in logic, tautological circular reasoning. It's not. And, and, and Matt probably doesn't know this, but that's the point. You have, to, you have to insist that this qualification, this sine qua non, be defined at the level of the genus. And Joe Rogan was just doing what all your pesky high school students in the classroom will do. Well, if that's what a woman is, then what about you're saying Jamie Lee Curtis isn't a woman? How about my mom? How about my, how about my, my deceased mother? She could no longer have kids. She had a history. She wasn't a woman. So, well, generically, she was capable. Having kids, and then you can give the great generic definition according to the gene of marriage, which is to say, marriage is defined as a natural end. The formal act, the formal cause of, of their creation capabilities, and, and Joe Rogan could anything. All right, Tim, you're breaking up. 
Right, Rob? He's breaking up for you, too? Yeah. All right, you're breaking up a little bit, Tim. So why don't we play the next clip, and let's hope Tim's uh, Tim's internet catches up a little bit. Okay. They married to me. That's our own decision, and we do it based on our own commitment to being together, to having a family, to raising a family. Two other people getting married or not getting married or Elizabeth Taylor getting married 10 times means nothing. It has no effect on me. And it shouldn't. Yeah. When you're looking at it on a real, on a, on the, on the, the smallest, most individual level, um, you, you could say that. And at least if there is, if there is an effect, it's really hard to see, but that's why you have to expand the view a little bit. Have and you I, talked to happy gay couples and about what it means to them to be married? Because it's significant. It means like you think, do you think people, if they feel like they're, is this a religious thing? Like, do you think that people who are gay should practice homosexuality? Or do you think that they should try to avoid it because biblically it's frowned upon? I am, I am a Christian. I'm Catholic. Um, so if you want to talk about the biblical aspects of it, I can, I can do that. But what are your but, own personal feelings about like gay people? Should they avoid being gay? Uh, you know, I, I, I believe in sexual morality. Is that is that uh, the the sexual act um, properly ordered belongs within the the marital bond, um, which should be reserved for a man and a woman. Um, which also means that. It's All right. So my biggest critique here would have been. He's talking to a guy who works out every day and, and understands what discipline is and understands what self-sacrifice is. You don't go and eat whatever you want, whenever you want. So when you're trying to describe like what it means to be a Christian, it's like, okay, look, we don't always go and just splurge on whatever we want, right? It's like, just because something feels good doesn't mean you go and do it. It's like, there has to be uh, like boundaries for us to put ourselves in. It, it can't just be just because something I enjoy something and just because it feels good, you go and just do it. Yeah. I think the best way, the best, I, I haven't, I didn't even see that particular clip. So this is, this is off the hip. Here's, here's how I would have addressed Joe. I would have said, um, the procreative system is highly likenable to the metabolic system, the gastroenterological system. You know why? Because both have a primary function, you know, the, the, the primary ergonomic function. The sexual system is geared toward procreation, um, whereas the metabolic system is geared toward breaking down enzymes from food, you know, metabolism. And both have a secondary function, ergonomic function, both of which are pleasure in either case. Joe, like, like you said, Anthony, Joe, let's talk about the metabolic system, the gastroenterological system, or they're probably technically different, but let's talk about gastroenterology for a second. You're a fit guy. If someone becomes a huge fat ass and abuses their, their, the pleasure by a disordered um, uh, quality or quantity of consumption, abusing their met uh, their metabolic system correct and it's undeniable one wears that flabby skin suit like a scarlet a like hester prynne you understand and that is undeniable that has n actually nothing to do with my religion it actually has nothing to do with roman catholicism 
except to the extent that Roman Catholicism affirms everything that's true under the auspices of the natural law. Now let's apply that to the procreative system, the sex organs. It has the similar payload delivery of the secondary purpose, not the telos, but a secondary accidental property of payload delivery of pleasure. What men, I think like you, Joe, have, have spent much of your life doing is running around laying pipe, which is to say, surrogating the second thing for the first thing. When we, when we put second things first and first things second, we get neither. When we put first things first and second things second, we get both, as C.S. Lewis said. And, it, and so you, you're, you don't, you're not self-consistent, Joe. This has nothing to do with my Roman Catholicism. I think Matt was actually wrong to, to tie this to the Bible or Christianity. I think he needed to tie it to the natural law. Homosexuality is a violation of the natural law because when you abuse your sexual, your reproductive system, you are doing what a 600 pound man does. It's a disordered use that surrogates a secondary for a primary end. And there's only one primary end in the sense of teleology. Also, uh, so even a, even a perverted heterosexual man could be accused of doing that. But what's so much worse and so much a violation of the natural law, that's not a violation of the natural law, even by fornicating heterosexually is even simpler than my analogy. My analogy is simple enough. The anus, sorry for kids listening, it's not a sex organ. And the natural law proof of this is that using it as one damages it. Where if one where if one engages in that sort of behavior, they will have to go to the doctor and have reparative restorative surgery that is not at all uh, natural. And it's not and to the point to the point where they can't restore it sometimes, right? Sometimes they can't fix it and you're dealing with wearing diapers later on in life. I mean, some sometimes people get it it's so bad. I mean, you're you're talking about something that is literally unhealthy for you to do this behavior. It's it's like and what Tim is saying is if you were an alien race looking down upon humans and you wanted to know what the purpose of sex is, the purpose of sex is procreation. The secondary is pleasure. It's the purpose of it is to procreate. Yeah, you, you get you get that self-same secondary pleasure from, from eating too much. But no one that the reason I love this analogy is because there's such a natural situational dichotomy between those because most people that like to have recreational sex with lots of different people keep their bodies in great condition so they're they're the first ones to be like oh this they look down on people like this guy had this guy had you know four different kinds of carbs in one day bro what he's abusing his metabolic system his body's his temple they're always anti-religious people saying your body's your temple and it's like yeah exactly that's you're you're right it is gross when people abuse their metabolic system for the accidental pleasure release. Well, it's even grosser. It's as grosser, grosser when it's somebody grosser. abuses their reproductive system for the pleasure dump. Yeah. Because at least the, at least the, um, yeah, at least when you're eating too much, you're still within the natural order, right? So when you're, when you're, when you're abusing the sexual, yeah. well, you're, you're, di you're diverting from the natural order when you're going into this area. Right. I mean, there could True. be, there could be men, that's why it's like when people don't understand if there's if there are priests who uh, have an affair with a woman, it's not as bad 
it's still bad and they still abuse their vows and they broke their vows. But no, it's not as bad as a priest having a, a gay affair. It's just not like it's 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 something that if the priest repents can actually get back and and get his his ministry back in order from whereas the other one i don't think he can ever get his ministry back in order and he should be removed from the priesthood if that's the case it's very simple that you know the the latter does not involve a violation of the natural law heterosexual fornication um it's it's natural it's vice but it's natural vice whereas homosexuality is unnatural vice and uh, that 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 should suffice even um Whereas homosexuality, homosexual marriage is simply not marriage because you don't have the natural conventional unity constituting the formal act of uh, two human beings, uh, an XX and an XY's procreation capabilities, which he might not have had that. It's a mouthful. But but what he could have said is that I'll give you an example of something that doesn't violate the natural law, Joe. Polygamy. Aquinas is very specific that polygamy does not violate the natural law. You still have the, and that's, it couldn't because um, the Israelites had it up until the Mosaic law, right? So you can't have Abraham through Moses violating the natural law. It, it wouldn't work out and it wouldn't happen that the chosen people did that. But uh, so so literally you have a generically procreation capable XX mixing with same XY. Um, he has more than one mate and it's not the best and because of the hardness of the hearts of the israelites and things like that it was allowed but aquinas says it didn't violate the natural law a a young person still whether male or female still knows and is raised with their father and their mother it's weird from our christian point of view to have a coven of of different mothers and their offspring but it doesn't violate the natural law homosexuality does it's simply not even sex really it's a kink. You're using, yeah. you, you know. It would be, no, it would be the equivalent of like making um, like somebody who likes golden showers. <laughs> I know it's awful to say. But it would be like somebody that likes golden showers, making that a uh, like, a, you know, a, a, an actual uh, identity. Right? It would be the equivalent of that. Tim, yeah. you want a time Tim, limit? You got a Tim is so much better with analogies than you, Anthony. <laughs> so much better. Wait a Hold on. Wait. Dude, we were we were looking at having our bathroom uh, redone, and I liked. Uh, you're talking about you're not talking about anything other than like d- doing your shower all in gold. Yeah. Right? That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, your that, that's a yeah. That that's an Italian thing right there. But you know what I'm saying? Like if somebody, it would be like making that a sexual identity. Somebody that likes <laughs> R. Kelly. There you go. It's like, Tim, are you on a time limit? Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll rush things if you're on a time limit. Uh, no, I'm fine. I, I yeah, okay. no, I, all right, I Rob, I let's play the next clip. Let's, let's jump off. We'll try and keep it quick. I don't want to keep you on all night, so that's fine. It's fine. That that are just gay. <laughs> Do you think that those people that are just gay should not engage in, in gay activities? They should engage in gay sex and gay love. Yeah, I'm a I'm a Christian, so I, I believe in Christian sexual morality, which is that the sex belongs within the bonds of a marriage. And marriage between a man and a woman. So, so that's, you're, that's what you're I opposed to all sex outside of marriage. Morally, yes, but yes, morally. Yeah. Do you think that should be legal? Well, it's 
should should it be illegal to have sex yeah. outside of marriage? Should that be a legal distinction? Uh, that sex is only legal while married. I, no, I, I would not support a law that uh, that bans sex outside of marriage. Be, I mean, for one thing, it'd be impossible to enforce. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I if I was like a dictator of the universe, uh, we, and I could control everything. We could talk about it, but no, obviously you couldn't have a you couldn't have a law like that. But even then, um, it goes against human nature. But but, but 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 with with the marriage with the marriage discussion, we're not really talking about a law it's it's not that before it was illegal for for men to get married it was that marriage just precluded two men partaking in it by definition but wasn't it illegal it wasn't legal for men to marry each other for a long time or but women it, to marry each other that's the whole reason why they wanted equal marriage rights yeah but it wasn't like you have a law in the books that says men can't do this all right, right off the bat, I'm going to say, like, this is why the pre the celibate priesthood is so important, right? Because the celibate priesthood shows why, and especially when it's properly ordered, it shows why you actually have this, this class, a class of men who are showing you that sex is not the end all be all. It's like the priesthood is supposed to be celibate and showing us the joy to the end of time where it's not... Like, the, it's not just about that. It's like, you can't just allow anybody to do whatever they want because it feels good. There is there is an end to what we're doing, and you don't need to have sex to, to be happy. Of course. Of course. Uh, perfectly stated. I, I just want, I 100% agree with you, but I want to also make the important note that Matt just seemed befuddled by saying too much when Joe, he, he prompted Joe to ask more stonery questions and to get a little more brazen with the trajectory of his questions by saying too much. When His first question, I believe, was, do you think two men should not have sex with each other? Here's, here's what Matt should have said. And I, I apologize if I go long here. He should have said this. Yes. <laughs> he just should have just left that That's as a one word answer. Said, yeah, of course, I believe that, and yeah. not and not been afraid to say that, it, right? Literally, and then he prompted, "No," and 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 then he and then Joe would have gone. See, I know you know legal training, philosophical training makes me anticipate questions. I'm running this as I go. Then Joe would have gone, "Oh." You know, you, you pull a Greg Popovich. I don't know if you guys watch basketball, but you, you do a Popovich interview. A combination of long-winded answers and very short one-word answers really throws your questioner and makes them get off their high horse. So after giving some longer answers, you know, that he was more comfortable making because of his uh, documentary, he had more knowledge on, on what is a woman. He should have just gone, yes. And then Joe, I guarantee, dollars to donuts would have said, Oh, because you're a Christian, right? And then the appropriate answer is no. It, it has nothing to do with being a Christian, except in so far as I said before, Christianity is the one religion that perfectly reflects the natural law and more. But no, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the natural law. Uh, you know, the the anus. So, sorry, I don't know if the kids in the room this feels really good. To say. <laughs> say you got headphones anyway. Like the, the, the poop shoot ain't a sex organ, Joe. You know, it doesn't matter how much weed you smoke. It's you're gonna mess your piping up down there, and it's bad for it. And by the way, 
then because he didn't take either of these pathways, uh, uh, you know, syllogistic pathways in terms of how he answered the question, it prompted Joe to um, ask things that he really didn't know about. And he was like, well, wait, what about the legality of this? Matt, Matt doesn't know that uh, he, he evidently doesn't know that. Again, this is this is my big issue with the post liberals before 1965. Griswold versus Connecticut. In many states, like Connecticut, it was quite legal, as it should be, for good states to ban contraception. Before 1969, Stanley versus Georgia, it was it was quite legal. No, that that one was porn. It was quite legal for the states like Georgia to ban porn. Seventy three was Roe. It was legal to ban abortion. Then you had uh, uh, Lawrence versus Texas was two thousand three. It was legal in many states to ban sodomy and then it was 2014 or 15 that you got Obergefell where it was legal for individual states to ban gay marriage and the point is look how many of these cases are actually something versus a state this is me slipping into my uh anti-post-liberal rant now but it was the nationalists and and joe might sounded like he knew a little bit more about this than than matt it was the nationalists that made it illegal to ban. They banned banning these things because, yes, as a matter of fact, we don't want it happening at the national level. That violates subsidiarity. But, yes, Matt should have said, absolutely, I want a law. I said this in my – I was going there in my recent debate with Josh Hammer. I was like, wait, you're a national conservative? How about – you know, because I don't believe he's a Catholic. Well, if you move to my state – I don't want national laws that say this. But if you move to my state, maybe I don't want – as, as a Roman Catholic, if I can get a, a large enough quorum of Catholics together, maybe we make it illegal for anyone to, I don't know, do some of the things that separate you and me as a, as a Catholic and a Jewish man. And, and that would be quite legal. So, so careful what you wish for there, nationalist guy. I, I have to I, say, I, like I've been I'm listening a, to you for, for years. I've been listening to you talk about subsidiarity. And like, it's finally the pieces are coming together and fitting where like this discussion is actually making me see why you're always talking about subsidiarity, right? It's like, this is actually what's been going on where you have from a federal legislature actually telling us we're not allowed to make things illegal anymore. It's absurd, actually. Yeah, it was actually the the federal judiciary in, in the stroke of a pen. You had nine tyrants on the bench saying and there's an irony layered on top of this that's too much for me. I have to scream when I hear these national conservative types, the post-liberals talking about it. It's irony heaped on irony. But yeah, from you had nine tyrants on a bench making it illegal for, for states to legalize porn, contraception, sodomy, gay marriage, and abortion. Well, we just overturned that with Dobbs. We had the return of subsidiarity with Dobbs. Also, in 1947, you had Everson versus Board of Ed. Uh, you had seven of nine uh, Freemasons, seven Masons on a bench of nine in 1947, made it illegal for states, the post-liberals will never talk about this, make it illegal for states to have official established sects of Christianity as a state religion. We had that until 1947, where states were encouraged to have their established state religion. People don't know that. And yeah, separation it's of church and state Separation of church and state is not what we think it is. Separation of church and state is a is a one paragraph letter in one of the gayest things Jefferson ever wrote to 
the Danbury Baptist Association in 1802. And it was originally an accusation. The First Amendment of the first 10 amendments literally stands for the proposition, Congress shall make no law that disestablishes state religions. It was seven Freemasons on the bench in Everson versus Board of Ed when the country got really, really secular after World War II. Things got really shitty after World War II. 1947, they said this, the First Amendment stands for the principle that states can't have established religions. Total lie, total reversal. The First Amendment meant Congress shall not disestablish the established state religions. Do you know how many of the states had official state sects of Christianity uh, at, when the First Amendment was ratified? Eight of at least them, nine. Two thirds of them had one or another sect of Christianity. No other religions, all Christianity. If the other five wanted them, it would have been 13 out of 13. That's what the First Amendment was there to protect. It was saying Congress can't disestablish. And we undid all that. Well, Matt didn't seem to know any of this when he gave this answer. And he honestly, that's fine. Uh, that's not his training. But he probably wouldn't have had to yammer if he would have just said Greg Popovich like, yes, I believe and should not damage one another's rectums. Call me crazy. <laughs> Bro, I, there's very few people who debate as well as you. It's like you you know how to throw your opponent off. I watched the Trent Horn debate, and it's like Trent was constantly like didn't know how to respond. I mean, he was talking about what was uh, Tonsher, right? He's talking about Tonsher and trying to say that this is a discipline. Watching that debate was actually one of the greatest like back and forths I've ever seen. You had him on his toes the whole time. He didn't know how to respond. Thanks, man. Yeah, that it's it's the um, the what is what does Bill the Butcher say in Gangs of New York? It's it's the spectacle. It's the spectacle of horrifying events, and uh, that's that's what a debate is. I I I can tell you this much, man. I honestly wish that I had the footy of my recent debate with Josh Hammer, you know, who's opinions editor at Newsweek, one of the head honchos of post liberalism. He's very uh, very powerful guy, but I I. I made mincemeat of him, and I, as of right now, I, I'm not saying it won't change, but I am not able to secure the footage. The footage was a little messed up anyway, but they will not give me the footage. And um, I've been through that before, had a little bit of a debacle with Catholic Answers after me and Trent's debate, but those guys are honorable Catholics. So they actually gave up the footage, and now they just kind of bury it in their archives. I don't think there's video <laughs> footage. You can still find somewhere like on the dark web the audio of me versus trent because those guys have honor well i'm not saying josh hammer doesn't have honor but i'm still trying to get that that footage yeah that would be a uh, even even uh mac is saying will we ever see tim on uh joe rogan i mean that would be like <laughs> that would be phenomenal i just don't see it happening i don't think uh joe's gonna pull that off why don't we play one more clip rob we'll go off of that and then and then we'll wrap it up after we you know see where this last clip goes sexual morality doctrines of the christian faith for example is really difficult but at um, least with premarital sex they have the hope and the option to one day get married and engage in natural sex that they're attracted to what would you have gay people do it's 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 a it's a difficult road that's for sure but so they should do um, nothing they should have no sex ever what if you have gay people that are also that they meet other gay people they love each other they want to have sex 
they should avoid that because of what? Because it's written somewhere? Because at one point in time, someone believed that God told them that they shouldn't have sex with other men? Well, we're having, a, this is, now we're in the realm of a moral conversation. Yeah. And and that's that's my moral view, that uh, sex also has, okay. you know, we, we should be open to life. Uh, sex has a procreative element. Again, doesn't mean every time you have sex, you're going to create a baby. Um but that's a that's a, an element of it that we should be we should be open to, and, and that's the like. Pro- so the reason I brought this this clip on is because I, when I spoke to Rob after this after this show, I asked Rob what his opinion of it was, and he was like, "Dude, it's so hard to have a conversation with somebody like Joe Rogan about this. It's almost like you have to convert somebody to Catholicism for them to understand where we're even coming from." Right, Rob, I, I've been hogging this whole conversation. I want to give you a shot to say anything if I'm missing anything. Well, I was just saying you can't – it's hard to explain, like, morality from a Catholic perspective if they don't accept, you know, uh, Catholic authority, right? So you have to come at it from a natural law perspective, and, and he just wasn't able to do that very well. Yeah. T- I- See, th- this is why Rob – this this is why I like Aristotle. Aristotle, everyone, I think even Joe Rogan knows Aristotle's pre-Christian. And he's one of the, the you know, last pagan philosophers. I mean, he's, he's the master of those who know, to quote Dante Alighieri. All, all you need to know, aside from that Jesus is the God-man, you don't need a ton of theological knowledge. You need to know Jesus is the God-man. Get the sacraments. And then you need to know Aristotle and you will have a great life. Eudaimonia, moral Christian happiness based on the habituation of the golden mean between excesses of vice and excesses of deficiency, are uh, what Aristotle reasoned to without any reference to the Bible. He did not know Judaism. At least he didn't know the Old Testament's norms. And Jesus hadn't walked the earth yet. And Aristotle was the, the best expositor of something approximating the natural law ever. And so I would say, no, Joe, this has nothing to do with religion, except you can guess it, that which insofar, except insofar as it, uh, my religion affirms all of the natural law plus the supernatural law. But no, you don't have to know the Bible to tell somebody that they ought not to uh, try to drink from a fire hydrant. You ought you you need not know the Bible, uh, in, in order to tell somebody that they shouldn't try to light a match with their teeth. You need not know the Bible in order to tell them that they shouldn't jump out of a plane without a parachute. Similarly, um, first off, it's an ontological claim. One, um, a man doing that to another dude, to quote the the great Michael Gary Scott, that is not having sex. That is not. A generically procreation-capable XX uh, in union with a generically procreative-capable XY. And so it's not having sex. It's it's dudes making up a kink, uh, and but that's not sex. So the, the uh, we also let – no one ever talks about this. We let the definition of sex slip to like any orifice. And they're like, well, men want to have sex with each other. It's like, okay. That's like Michael Scott saying maybe Oscar and Holly are having a gay affair. Anything's possible. 
Well, that, <laughs> that's, that can't happen. Two men can't have sex with each other. Uh, it's an XX. It requires an XX with an XY. And the definite, show me the baby. Um, yeah. But also, the most absurd is two women. Yes. It's like, men what are you doing? Men ought not to engage in the behavior. Yeah. Which would try to, can, it's like saying, hey, can, can, can I plug this plug into a wall without a male part and a female part? It's like, well, no, you can't. Then he's like, well, what if people enjoy, you know, getting two male parts of a plug and, and banging up against each other? You'd say, well, that's going to do structural damage. It's not having sex, but whatever you want to call it, it's going to hurt things down there near the equator. And it's going to lead to uh, a life of vice and unhappiness. Don't do it. And it's not sex anyway. It's a normative claim and an ontological claim. It's mutual masturbation. No Bible. That's what it is. Yeah, Tim. Tim's like hearing us on a little yeah, delay, but, but that's, I, yeah. Tim's hearing us on a little bit of a delay. But I, you guys have to hear my favorite Tim 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 clip ever of all time. I sent this to him the other day. People doing gangbangs, right? That's what polygamous marriage is. Gangbangs in your marriage. So this was on. <laughs> This was Tim the other day reading from the Synod on Synodality document. I was laughing so hard when he said that. I want Rob to have that on his soundboard. Gangbangs? You want gangbangs on the soundboard? Doing gangbangs, <laughs> right? That's what polygamous marriage is. It was just gangbangs. I watched that. And I just started laughing so hard when he said that, man. Oh, I hate that he's on a delay. Well, the synod said something about gangbangs. And... Yeah, sorry. Sorry. No, no, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was just, we're, we're getting a little bit of a delay. Listen, no. this was, Tim, we're going gonna to have to do this again. And we're going to, um, we'll get, we'll, I, I just want to hang a BS with you one time. So we'll have to figure this out. Um, I don't want to keep you all night. I know you've been broadcasting all day. And on Friday nights, you have your... Uh, you have your Patreon crew that comes in and stuff. So, uh, what does that say? Recommend that to go on for the not for MOC shows. Yeah. So once a while we go on the Meaning of Catholic show. This would definitely not fit on the Meaning of Catholic. This is very well fit for our channel. But um, I thought this was a great show, Tim. You were the perfect guy to have on for this. You uh, you definitely uh, have a way deeper way of explaining everything than I do. I'm glad that we were able to get you on. Oh, thanks, man. It's it's great to hang out with you guys. Oh, I wish I could have talked to Rob tonight a little bit more. But I <laughs> you guys, uh, I'm glad to know you. I'm, we'll do yeah, this like, again. What, well, I've seen I've seen your guys show before. I'm like, I, I want to see what Rob does. Yeah, <laughs> he's like the guy up. in the that's kung the film that's just standing there like this, and it's like I want to see what this little guy does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, thanks. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up, Rob. Let's take this out. Um, Tim, we'll yeah, hang out. We'll talk in the green room for a minute. Hang out for a minute. All right, Rob, take yeah. this out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yo, 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 yo. Uh, take me back to my reversion. Unite the clans. I give thanks to each person. It's that same holy water that we immerse in. It's that same tradition that we all each verse in. United we stand and divided they win. 
They ignited in their plans in the pot and they sing. If you think about it, they see us all for the same lands. Their biggest fear is that we all remain friends. I got love for Team Marsh and y'all podcast. I got love for Michael Matt fans. Ryan Grant, Rick, Verity, Flanders, Eric Sammons. Shout out to my boy, John Everton. Avoid Babylon. I got love for Anthony and Rob Speak On. If you try, you're persecuted the same for the weak heart. Our rules 